Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. We good? How is everybody? Thank you. Glad you're here. Are they serving cake or something? Everyone showed up today. This is a great, great crowd. Glad that you're all here with us and excited. Did we get that one? Is that working now? All right. Hey, we're working now. All right. You can take that back. Good. God bless you. Hey, I'm going to jump right into this. I'm excited. Uh, Jennifer and I uh, celebrated our 26th wedding anniversary last week. And... uh, we missed our 25th because of COVID, so we had a trip planned for the 25th and didn't get to do it, so we got to make up for it, do it on the 26th. So spend a little time in Mexico, and I'm excited. Uh, the word I have for you today, I'm not going to rush through this word. I really feel with all my heart um, that there's something in this word today that's going to set someone free. I really believe someone's life is going to be changed because of, because of something the Lord does in your life, not because of anything I do, but because of something the Lord does in your life, a light switch that he turns on, uh, an understanding and a revelation. We live according to the revelation uh, that God gives us, and we war in our life. We fight, the scripture says, according to prophecy. What is prophecy? It's what God is speaking to you right? It's what God is saying to you and over your life. That's what we fight with. That's what we win with. Amen? So I want to take just a moment, and I want to pray, and I'm going to pray a very specific prayer today. The Bible speaks a lot about angels. The Bible says uh, that we have angels that are assigned to us. The Bible says that angels bring messages. They bring the answers to prayer. The Bible says that angels actually go to war and fight in the heavenly realms on our behalf. The Bible says that he has given his angels charge over us. That doesn't mean they rule over us. It means that they have a responsibility to protect us and to fight for us and to help us in our lives. And I want to pray a prayer right now of agreement with you because we have angels, each one of us, there, there are potentially hundreds of angels right now in our midst, hundreds of angels right now in our midst. Did you know that the enemy assigns demonic uh, uh, assignments against you, demonic forces against you to, to deceive you, to snuff you out, to convince you can't do to to get you wrapped up in something that that is going to limit you and and, and make you unable to fulfill. And we have double the angels assigned to us that the enemy can assign to us. You understand? Because only one third of the angels fell. And there's double. So if you would just open your heart and expend or extend your faith with me, I want to pray a prayer and ask God to release the power of these ministering angels to do miraculous things inside of this congregation. All of you that are watching online, literally over 40 states connected to Oaks Church watching online every single month, uh, over 20 countries around the world. And those angels are present with you as well. They're fighting for you. They're bringing answers to prayer for you. Will you join in faith and prayer with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you have assigned us your greatest assistance, Father, your warring angels, your messaging angels. And Father, we ask you that they would draw their swords and they would strike down the forces of darkness that the enemy has assigned against each and every one of us. Demons of deception, demons of anxiety, demons of fear, demons of lying, demons of addiction, demons of disease. In the name of Jesus, Father, we ask you that your angels 
would strike them down and destroy them in our midst. Father, we thank you for your messenger angels that you assign to answer and bring the prayers from heaven to earth, Father. Jacob saw them ascending and descending on a stairway to heaven, Father, bringing the answers, bringing the messages, bringing the words that sustain the weary. Father, would you release your angels to do work on the behalf of the people of God connected to Oaks Church and in your body, Father, missionaries around the world. Would you stir up your spirits that are sent and given assignments to assist us and help us and protect us in Jesus' name? Father, we thank you for the victory that we will walk in. We thank you for the revelation we will receive. We thank you for the answers to prayer. We thank you for the defeat of demonic traps and entanglements in our lives. Father, we thank you for the revelation that we will walk in and the supernatural release of your vision for our lives. Father, we thank you for the release of your prophetic word that we will declare over our marriages, our spouses, our children, our relationships, our businesses, our friendships. Father, our schools, in the name of Jesus, release your prophetic word that oaks would be a house of your word that your voice flows freely and fully in this place and this is a people that walk in victory this is a people that shine a light this is a people that have a heart for the lost and the broken and the weary and, and, and the trapped father and I thank you that your light will shine in the darkness the darkness will not understand it and the darkness will not overcome it father we thank you that light permeates darkness and darkness must flee in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen, 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 amen. amen. Come on, your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are powerful. And you are not alone. You are never alone. You're not in this fight alone. You've got the family of faith. But even when you feel alone and you can't get anybody on the phone, You've got a father who is with you and for you, and he's always and ever present. He lives inside of you by his spirit, and he has given you angels that war for you, fight for you, and bring answers for you in Jesus' name. That's a revelation that we need to walk in more that we don't think about because we can't see it with our tangible eyes, but they're here. They're here. That's why I drove a motorcycle for so long. I didn't want my angels to be bored. I needed them to have something to do. <laughs> just joking. Today, as we jump into this message, I am the vine is what we're going to talk about today. I want to talk to you just a little bit about uh, a couple stories and, and, and some different things from my life. But um, I, in college, I loved the study of psychology. It was my favorite subject. I took multiple uh, semesters of psychology, and I really was very fascinated with child psychology. You know, um, the concept of being childlike is a very important principle for our spiritual life, for our Christian faith, having a childlike faith. It's not about a childish faith, but a childlike faith is the instruction from Jesus that we're supposed to approach God as a father and we are his son or daughter and we have access to him and favor to him in that, in that opportunity because of who he is to us in relationship as a parent and as a child who believes and I know that most of us understand that children have an, an ability to have a more innocent perspective because they haven't been through as much hurt and trauma and pain oftentimes than those of us that are a few decades in. 
See, the reality and the reason that Jesus said it's so important for us to have faith like a child instead of have faith like an old person is because you can be on this planet and have 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years of litigation against God for what you've seen and don't understand. And, and, and so you have a hard time praying and accessing God because you've got lots of reasons to disbelieve because you've been through some stuff. And kids just have a natural, innocent perspective to believe what their father says, even if it doesn't make sense. They don't worry about the details. They don't worry about the finances. They don't worry about the, the responsibility. It was really cool. Uh, for Sydney had an awesome uh, mission opportunity this summer and had the opportunity to go and uh, work at the church in Flagstaff. Our friends Landon and Emily uh, Merrill there, their church, and do an internship. And her very first week, um, she hadn't called us in two weeks. And then she called us because she ran out of money. And so we were grateful for her call. But it was amazing for her because for the first time as a 17-year-old, she's like, life is expensive. It was a wake-up for her. It was great for her to realize. And she came back wanting to take responsibility and, and, and learn how to manage money and all of it. It was a great experience for her because she's moving into that adult life, right? But as a child, we don't worry about that stuff. Well, how cool would it be if in our faith, we didn't worry about that stuff? Because we know our Father is the source. We know our Father is someone we can rely on. We know our Father has access to everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth and the stars and the sky, everything is his. Bill Gates ain't got nothing on your Father. Right? So we need to understand, there's nothing that our Father lacks, which means there's nothing that we lack. But oftentimes, as part of child development, Children want to be self-reliant. Do you remember if you had a, a, a toddler? As a toddler was moving into the, from the two into the three-year-old stage, uh, you remember when, when your kid decided they were gonna feed themselves spaghetti for the first time? And the bowl ends up on their head? Spaghetti everywhere, places spaghetti should never be, right? And, and, and as they get older, they get better, but do you remember the first time your child decided that they were gonna dress themselves? And they came out so proud, four years old, five years old, shirt on backwards, pants inside out, shoes on the wrong feet, right? All, I mean, just and nothing matching, so proud of themselves. And what would they say? They would say, I can do it myself. Oh, how many times do we as adults still act like that? When we have a father who wants to help us, but we want to be so self-reliant that we're walking around with our pants on backwards, shirt inside out, socks, you know, don't, I mean, the whole deal. And we're so proud because I can do it myself. Uh, Jennifer has always wanted her husband to be handy around the house. She married wrong for that. <laughs> A people person. Salesman, right? I, I, was, I had sales jobs. I was in the people business. And, and she wanted me to be handy. And I remember so many times I thought I would try to be handy. And one of the most recent times was when we decided to move out to the country. 
And we got this piece of land that we bought from a friend and got a really great deal on it, but we had to develop, it was all raw land, like no road. I had to build a 900-foot road just to come in. You had to bring all the, uh, all the, the, the electrical and water and sewage and all, I mean, it's just raw country land. And I remember seeing this land and, and looking at it on Google Earth and seeing how beautiful the topography was and this massive, this forest of trees and this creek that ran through it. And I'm looking on Google Earth and I'm like, the house needs to go right there. The only problem was is that there was three acres of forest surrounding where the house needed to go. And not like good forest, like crud thicket forest, right? There were some big gorgeous trees in there. But, but in order for the house to go there, there was three acres of thicket and saplings and just, you couldn't even walk through it. If you tried to walk through it, it would rip your skin up, all of these vines that were in there and this thicket that was in there. So I called someone out to come and give me a bid on how much it would cost to clear three acres of forest. And when he came back, it was $27,000 to do that, and so I was at a loss, and I talked to a friend, and my friend said, dude, you could just go down to Bobcat of McKinney, and you could rent a forestry mulcher and do it yourself, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to check into that, and I found out that a forestry mulcher can be rented for $5,000. I had the opportunity to save $22,000. I can do it myself. I spent six days on a forestry mulcher. I got it stuck in the creek. Um, I shot three acres. It, it was three acres of splinter by the time I was done. One of the country boys out there, there were some dead trees. He told me that was really cool about these mulchers is that you, you, could, you could run into the dead trees and they would fall down. He didn't give me any instructions. He just said, you know, you could just run into that tree right there and just knock it on down. There's a dead tree right there. You can just knock them down. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. I'm going to run some trees down. And, and, and it worked. First time and second time. But, you know, if you run into a tree that's not quite dead yet, you face plant into ballistic glass at about 10 miles an hour. And get knocked out almost. And I'm, just, I, I'm just saying that's what I've heard happens. But then what else also can happen is part of the tree that's not quite dead will stay. And the other part that is dead will fall. And it will land on top of the bobcat mulcher and pin you inside and break the hydraulic hose off. So you can no longer lift and all the different things that need to do to open the door to get out. And that's another story we'll save for later. But the hardest part about that six weeks was the vines that I had to deal with. See, I was pulling down vines, yanking down vines. Man, I'm doing work. I'm, I mean, literally, I'm turning a forest into splinters. We had three acres of wood chips when I was done. But I didn't realize that these vines I was pulling down were this amazing thing called poison oak. No idea. Out there working, pulling down vines, sweating, scratching, rubbing on stuff. I had poison oak 
everywhere. It was not fun, not good. The thorns, the, my bleeding hands from these vines, because vines are actually powerful. They are, they're permeating. They take over. And, and when Jesus said that I am the vine, Thankfully, he was not talking about the types of vines that I dealt with. He had a different illustration in mind. But there is something to the permanence, to the persistence, to the continuance, to how it permeates Jesus as the vine. The vision that Jesus has is that he will permeate the entire world. He will spread throughout the entire world. That's the goal. And what you need to understand is that there is life in the vine. There's life in the vine. Jesus said, I am the true vine. Now, when Jesus said this, he was actually in the Garden of Gethsemane. Israel is a beautiful country. It's very mountainous. It's very rocky. Um, they have a huge wine culture there. Jesus went to Galilee. Galilee is the Napa Valley of Israel. It is their wine country. It's a huge part of their culture. And Jesus's first miracle was up in the Galilean area in Cana. He turned uh, six giant pots of water into uh, full pots of premium, like Napa Valley special reserve wine, so much so that the wine experts up there were blown away at the quality of the wine. That's what Jesus did. And so Jesus had a culture that would understand the vines of a wine or of grapes that produce wine. That's something that was cultural. But what's interesting is when Jesus was speaking about the vine, he was actually in the Garden of Gethsemane, everything that happens from John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 is, is the journey from the table of the Last Supper where Judas betrays him, walking down through the Kidron Valley up the Mount of Olives into the olive uh, uh, area, uh, the olive groves there. And olive trees are really fascinating. See, when we were there in Israel just uh, right before the pandemic happened, we were the last trip, literally the last flights out of Israel before they shut the whole country down. But we were in the Garden of Gethsemane, and olive trees live literally for thousands of years. So we're standing among and in this grove of olive trees that literally are the same age. Some of them were dated all the way back to Jesus's time. But the way that olive trees work is they are massive underground spreaders. They are shooters. And under the ground, they have a vine system that works, that travels and then shoots up and starts all over. They are very prolific. They are like the bunny rabbits of the tree world. And they make babies like nobody's business. And so Jesus is in this olive vineyard, so to speak, this olive grove, and he's talking to them about the vine and the branches and what happens and what's important in regard to those things. So let's look at John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Now, if you remember from a couple of weeks ago, when I talked about Jesus saying, I am the true bread, he used that word true. In the Greek, it means the opposite of a counterfeit. The opposite of a counterfeit. So there is a real and there is a fake. There is a genuine and there was a knockoff. 
Jennifer and I have a joke that, that if there's a, a, a purse or something that's a Gucci purse, but it's not a real Gucci purse, it's a Fucci purse. It's fake Gucci, right? It's Fooey Vuitton, right? It's just it's a little joke that we make, right? Because there's the real and there's the not real. And if you go to certain places in New York City, you can get the not real. This is kind of like the real, but don't get caught. All right, anyway, praise the Lord, move on. Actually, don't go to New York City right now. That's probably a bad decision. It's a little crazy up there. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Interesting. My father is the gardener. I'm the, I'm the vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now watch this. If you're fruitful, you get pruned. If you're not fruitful, you get cut off. Either way, you're getting cut. Either way, you're getting cut. You're either getting good cut or you're getting bad cut. But cut hurts. Cut isn't pleasant. We've gone through some things, Jennifer and I, and there have been seasons in our life where there are people that are cut out of our life. There are relationships that are cut out of our life. And as, as a practice, I am very, very, very focused on relationships. I hate burning bridges. I hate having beef between me and someone else. I don't like to leave that kind of stuff there. I want to fix and restore and, 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 and reconnect and heal. But the Lord has said to me multiple times, why are you trying to gather back together what I am cutting away? Just because you're getting cut doesn't mean you're disobedient. Sometimes you're getting cut because you're bearing good fruit. Sometimes you're getting cut because you're actually being faithful and doing the right thing. Something to think about. Verse 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I can do it myself. No, you cannot. You cannot do it yourself. The calling that God has on your life, the purpose that God has for your life, keeping your marriage together, raising godly children, you cannot do it yourself. The plan that God has, the purpose that God has for you is so big, intentionally designed by him, that you must have him to fulfill it. You need him. He is the vine. You're just the branch. The life does not come from the branch. The life comes from the vine. The branch cannot produce fruit unless it's connected to the vine. And you're commanded to bear fruit. If you do not remain in me, verse six says, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Sounds like a picture of hell. If you remain in me and my words remain, this is big. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, 
You will ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. There is so much in that one little passage, I could spend three weeks right there. Number one, remain in me and I in you. Number two, and my words remain in you. My words remain in you. God's words are the seeds for the fruit. The word used here, the word that Jesus used in the Greek is translated rhema. It's a different word than other examples in the scriptures where the word in English is there as the word word. Word? Confusing. But in many places, when it says word in the scripture, it's the word logos. Logos means something that was said. Rhema is the word for an utterance, something that is being said. It's different. It's different. See, something that was said is in the past, it's still powerful, it's still relevant, but it's different than what's happening right now. Now, the beautiful majesty of God's word is that something he said thousands of years ago can become alive and he can be saying it to you right now. So logos can become rhema. It can become the utterance of God, a right now word. But what Jesus is talking about is the importance of remaining, living, abiding, being planted inside of him. So you're in a constant state of hearing what he's saying to you on a regular and daily basis. So his right now utterance is remaining in you on a regular basis. And it changes the game completely. Changes the game completely. It's the difference between you talking about something you've heard others experience and you experiencing it yourself. You can ask me about childbirth because I've experienced it three times. But if you ask Jennifer, you'll get a different perspective. My experience is not quite as real as hers. It's a different level of experience. And there are people that get caught up. Guys, this is so relevant to right now. We live in an age, in an era, where everything is about what was said, what was said, what was said, what was said. Well, I heard this, and I read that, and I heard this, and I read that. And everybody's lying. I don't trust any news at all. Did you know that all 36 major news companies are owned by five people? And they're all for-profit businesses. They want you angry. They want you divided. They want you enraged. They want you worked up. They want you anxious. They want you fearful. It is not the word of God. It might be news. It's not the good news. It's not the good news. And if you live your life and you remain in that, you will not produce good fruit. If you remain in him, in Jesus, and his word, his news remains in you, you can rise above all the bull, all the lies. All the lies. 
Guys, it's hard to lead a body of people when the whole world is lying to us. And the only hope we have is to hear from our Father. The only hope we have is to remain in him and his word remain in us. How do you know you can believe that? Because I've spent time with him and he's given me peace about this and I know this is what I'm supposed to do for my life. Well, I mean, but I watched on CNN, man, forget CNN. Well, I watched on Fox, man, forget Fox. Forget all of them. Good news. Jesus is the good news. He's the good news. Am I allowed to talk about this? Am I going to get censored? We have a source. His name is Jesus. We have access to power. He is the true vine. Everything else is a fake vine. Everything else is a counterfeit. He's the only true. If the people you're getting information from are not connected to the true vine, you should be very cautious. You need to be getting information from people connected to the true vine. Because we live in a world of deception, smoke and mirrors. And he's the only truth. But we'll get into that next week as we talk about Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only truth. There's not multiple truths. Can I address this for just a second? It's not your truth and my truth. Well, just live according to your truth. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. It's the dumbest thing ever. Well, this, I'm just living my truth. No, you're not. You're living a lie, you moron. You don't get your own truth. You don't get to make up truth. Truth literally means unchanging, constant. If you hear someone say that this week, I'm just, living, just, just slap them <laughs> for Jesus. Slap them for Jesus. See, our problem is this. We don't remain in him. We don't remain in him. You know why we don't remain in him? Because the counterfeit is easier. The counterfeit is more convenient. And the enemy wants us so badly to live in the counterfeit. The enemy wants us so badly to go through what we go through in life and go plant ourselves and set ourselves down in the midst of something fake and untrue and fill our lives with all of those words. Fill our lives with all of those thoughts. Fill our lives with all of those opinions because he knows if he can get us planted in something else other than the true vine, he can keep us from creating and bearing fruit. And if he can keep you from bearing fruit, he can guarantee you get cut off. He doesn't even have to get you worshiping him. He can get you focused on money. He can get you focused on some other desire. See, the enemy is sneaky. The Bible says that he goes around as a roaring lion. Look, at, there's a passage here. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him. Have we lived in a world of anxiety for the last couple of years? Unbelievable anxiety. Unbelievable lies and conspiracies and craziness. Way before the pandemic, way before the, the ridiculous mess that we've lived in for all these years, cast all of your anxiety 
on him. God does not desire, it is not his plan, his purpose, or his will for you to live in anxiety. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I break the yoke, the bonds, the chains of anxiety right now in the name of Jesus by the authority of the Holy Spirit, by the authority that's released to the angels that we have warring on our behalf. Father, break the chains of anxiety. You have not given us a spirit of fear, but you have given us a spirit that is full of of power and love and soundness of mind. In the name of Jesus, release the power under your people, the love under your people, and the soundness of mind, sound mind, sound thoughts, pure thoughts, pure integrity. In the name of Jesus, fear must leave you right now in Jesus' name. Fear has no authority in your life. Fear is a trespasser in your life. It cannot stay. You must fight. And you must win. Cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. Watch, watch, watch. Be alert and sober of sober mind. Another translation says be sober and vigilant. Be sober and vigilant. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Another translation says, looking for someone he may devour. When I was growing up, Pastor Willie George used to teach it like this in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hello? Yeah, it's the devil. May I devour you? Sure. Come on in. He's looking for someone he may devour, which means he needs permission. He needs permission from you to devour you. Have you ever watched the animal planet and watched how the lions hunt? Um, they don't go after the strong one. They don't go after the ones that are in the big, thick herd. The lions seek to separate the weak, the old, the sick. I, I like watching those. Jennifer can't stand watching those videos. It makes her sad. I love watching those videos for whatever reason. But, but, but I watched one this week where the lion, there were a couple like female lions and they were kind of crouched on the side watching, watching, watching. And then the big male lion just runs right up in the middle of all of them. And they're all running right at him. He's just watching, watching. Can he just, he just, he's waiting for the weak one. Running through, he just got right in the middle of the herd, waiting, waiting, waiting. Boom, just nails the one that he wants as it runs right past him. And, and, and the lion First of all, he's not actually a lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The, the enemy is, is a fake. He's a counterfeit. Remember, we have the true and we have the counterfeit. And the enemy is a counterfeit lion. He's roaring like a lion, but he's not a lion. Looking for whom he may devour, but he doesn't actually have any authority. And he's looking for someone who has separated themselves and is not remaining in Christ. If you remain in Christ, you're in the pack. You're in the thick of it. You don't have the same vulnerability as someone that gets separated. Which is why the enemy uses fear and anxiety and depression and all these things that he implants in your mind to separate you out so you're focused on what you're going through instead of remaining in him and being empowered by the people of God that we're supposed to be gathering together with on a regular basis. It's a tactic. It's a tactic. Resist him standing firm in faith because you know 
The family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. You are not in this alone. All over the world, the family of God is suffering together, going through it together. And the God of all grace, it says, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, guess what? You don't get to get out of suffer. Everyone still goes through some suffer. It's just life. Just life. Everyone suffers a little different, but everyone goes through suffering. Jesus said, you can be sure of this, in this life, you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. After you've suffered a little while, he will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. We have to live. I want you to think of this. Jesus is a state of being. Yes, he's God and he is, he, 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 I mean, he's so many things, right? But, but we need to live inside of the state of being of Jesus. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. Paul said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Paul understood, the apostle Paul understood that there was a state of being, a state of living that you could live in where Christ was fully alive in you and you were dead to yourself and dead to your flesh. Jesus put it like this, unless you deny yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. What is the cross? It is an, it is an instrument of torture and death. Jesus is like, look, if you want to be my disciple, say no to yourself, Pick up this cross. The cross could be the calling of God on your life. For me, can I tell you part of my cross was saying yes to be a pastor. I said no for 20 years of my life. And then the next 20 years, I said I would never plant a church. I have 40 years of no that God wouldn't let me out of. And we have to recognize that if we're going to be his disciple, it doesn't matter what we want when it's what he's called us to. We got to pick up that cross because getting, walking that cross, whatever you have to walk through and suffer through in life is how you get to the place of resurrection. You can't have resurrection if you don't deal with death. Jesus is a state that we have to choose to live in. When this passage talks about the way of resisting the enemy and positioning yourself to be uh, to be in a place where you can defend against the enemy, it uses the word sober and vigilant. And I want to take just a moment and talk about that because most people think that what that means is don't be drunk. And specifically, and only most people would translate that to alcohol. And, and let me tell you, that's true. And it's the easiest one. It's the easiest one. Because you can measure that. One cup, I'm fine. Two cups, fuzzy. Three cups, I'm in trouble. You can measure that. And so you can have moderation. But did you know you can be drunk on gossip? You know that you can get drunk on drama? Oh my God, I'm messing with you. You know you can get drunk on materialism? Oh, it's easy for Christians do you know you can get drunk on gluttony? We live in a world where the foodie is glorified. Oh, I'm proud of my foodiness. I have such great taste. And as certain friends of mine posted pictures of me 20 years ago, I realized I'm twice the man I used to be. <laughs> I don't look like I used to look in my 20s. 
Come on, you can get drunk on lots of things. And what Christians do is they feel really, really proud of themselves for the things they don't do when they're three sheets to the wind and something else. Anything that you consume can consume you. The command is to be fruitful. Why? Because fruitfulness glorifies the Father. The enemy does not want you bearing fruit. He does not want you remaining in Jesus. He does not want you planted on a daily basis, living your life in Jesus. What do you need to do? You need to abstain or resist any activity that takes you out of Jesus. You can get drunk on Netflix, drunk on Hulu. They call it binging. You, you, you feeling me? Binge watching, that's the thing. I'm just gonna, man, I'm just gonna, Netflix and chill. I, I mean, young people use that. They mean something different than old people when old people say that. Jesus talked about in this passage that you would ask and receive that your joy would be full. Watch this. Let's finish this little verse. John chapter 15, verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, watch, here's another thing to remain in. So have I loved you. Now watch, remain in my love. So we have to remain in him. We need his words remaining in us. And we need to remain in his love. How do you do that? Watch. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Did you know that Jesus is actually attentive to your joy? Joy is a fruit of the spirit. Jesus is concerned about your joy. He wants you to remain inside of the Father's love, remain inside of his love, so that your joy can be full. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Oh, here's where it gets hard, y'all. Love each other as I have loved you. Now watch, he's gonna describe how he's loved you. punched a button on my thing and it took me to a different place in my notes. Hold on. Technology is awesome. Especially at this exact moment. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Here's his description. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I learned from my father, I have made known unto you. Oh my God, rich passage. Rich passage. He says, remain in my love. How do you know you're remaining in his love? If you obey him. Obedience is the demonstration of love. And he says, if you'll obey him, you can move beyond servant. And you can move to a new level of relationship called friend. I love the Israel Houghton song. I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. He calls me friend. I've sang it and sang it and sang it and sang it and sang it. But did you know that friendship with God is not automatic? 
Friendship with God is conditional. Jesus said, you are my friends if. If. What's the if? If you remain in my love. Okay, how do I do that? If you obey me. Okay, how do I do that? Die. <laughs> love people so much that you'll lay your life down for them. You want to have a great marriage? Die every day for your spouse. Sounds so morbid. Yeah, but if you die, there's a resurrection. You want, you want to be a great parent? Die. You want to be a great business partner? Die. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. But, but, what, about, but what about what I want? Uh, there's that. But if it's not what God wants, it's irrelevant. But here's the beauty of it. If his words remain in you, you can ask him for anything you want. That's what Jesus said in this passage. If my words remain in you, you can ask me anything and I will do it for you. For this is the, to the glory of God that your joy may be full, that you bear much fruit. So if you have so much of God's word in you, his life-giving, fresh, relevant word in you, it will actually change your desires so that you will desire what he desires for you. It's not about the desires of your flesh. It's about the desires of the spirit of the living God that come alive inside of you. And you can ask him for anything and he'll do them for you because it, it, it glorifies the Father. Answering your prayers glorifies the Father. This is Jesus' teaching. Jesus said, sometimes you ask and you do not receive because you just want to spin it all on yourself. We need to check our prayers. If our prayers are all about our pleasure, if our desires are all about our pleasure, pleasure, more, 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 me, 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 more, 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 me, 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 more, 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 me, 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 how much of that is God's will? I don't know, some of it. How much of it is coming from you remaining in him and his words remaining in you? Because I can tell you, if you're planted in the wrong place, you got the wrong words in you, you're going to be desiring things that are not his will, and the fruit born in your life could be a fruit of sin, and it could be a fruit of poison. Have a toxic future for your life. Money doesn't buy happy. Money doesn't buy love. Money will not make you happy. Living in Jesus will make you happy. Living in him will make you happy. His word living in you will make you happy. <laughs> Remaining in his love will make you happy. Will there be suffering? Heck yeah. But you'll be a real friend. And a real friend, watch this, watch this, watch this. He said, you're no longer my servants, you're my friends. For you know the master's business. A servant doesn't know the master's business. Come full circle with this. You can know the master's business. Where did you get that information? I'm a friend of God. I know the master's business. I know what the father's up to. Weren't you worried about this? No, I know the master's business. I'm a friend of God. I've been with the father. I'm not afraid of this. I'm not worried about this. I'm not concerned about this because I know the father's business. Understand? Instead of living your life in the fear factory, living your life in, in, in the spin cycle of, of the news, 
where, where it's all about drama and chaos and fear and anxiety and division and hate. You can live inside of the Father's house, have access to the Father's business, remain in his love, bear much fruit, and know what he's up to in the world. Oh, he's coming back. You understand that? He's coming back again. Jesus is coming back again. He's taking us with him. He's coming back again. And guess what, y'all? It's getting close. It's getting close. It's getting close. I, I, I'm going to say something, that, and I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it. Because um, in the very beginning, I heard people talking about, oh, the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast. Don't get the vaccine. It's the mark of the beast. You nervous? And I'm like, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. Because there's a specific thing about the mark of the beast. And until that specific thing comes up, I'm not even gonna be, I'm not gonna be concerned about it. And the specific thing about the mark of the beast is the ability to buy or sell or trade or be involved in any commerce. And that's where this thing gets a little dirty. And that's what we as Christians need to be praying about. Because the scripture is very clear. Scriptures are very clear that we as believers, and look, I don't know, is this the end? I don't know. Are we getting close? I'm sure we are. But guess what? The disciples that lived with Jesus and walked with Jesus, 2,000 years ago, they're like, he's coming back real soon. He's coming back real soon. You got to be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready. Every single generation has thought it was their generation. For 2,000 years, we don't know, but we better be ready. And Paul said there's lots of antichrists. Constantly, lots of, we got lots of antichrists. It's not about one. Generations of, anti, every generation has antichrists. I'm just saying you need to pray. You need to hear the Lord. Because as this thing progresses and moves forward, if it comes to the place where I, as a believer of Jesus Christ, have to choose between following Jesus or stepping into a system that puts me in contrast with my faith, I got a big decision to make. I got a big decision to make. And the reality is, Christians in our country may one day be martyred like they are in many other countries around the world right now. I'm grateful for your generosity because because of your generosity, we're, we're, we're funding safe houses in Afghanistan right now because of your generosity. We're rescuing Christians right now because of your generosity. Because they are going door to door, murdering Christians. They are going door to door, killing Christians, killing pastors, killing missionaries, hunting them down in Afghanistan. Don't think this Taliban thing is a nice new world government that's gonna be nice and play. No, 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 they're killing Christians door to door. It's evil, it's demonic, it's antichrist. So Oaks Church is involved, and we're saving Christians. So thank you for your generosity. But don't think that can't come here. Don't think it can't come here. Don't think you won't find yourself in a place where you have to choose between obeying Jesus or obeying your government. Just look at Australia. You better be resolved in your faith. Don't be a panty-waist Christian because you will stand before the Father. And if I have to die here in this generation 
to glorify my Father, that's an easy choice for me. It's an easy choice for me. Doesn't mean it'll be easy. But I'm not going to deny him. Not going to deny him. I encourage you, read, study, pray, 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 pray. Remain in him, remain in him, remain in him. His words in you, his words in you become a true friend of him. It's a conditional relationship. Why? Because if you're his friend, you have access to his knowledge. You'll know the Father's business. Amen? I know that's a lot. I had to make up for a week in Mexico. I didn't get to talk to you last week. Let me pray for you today. Father, I ask you that you would release a supernatural boldness upon your children. God, we don't know. We don't know what all's going on. What we do know is that we live in an evil, evil, evil world. A world that's so dark, that's so evil, that the only light in this world comes from you. Father, we thank you that in perfection when you return and when you restore and remake the earth, there will not even be any need for a sun or a moon. Your word says that you yourself will be the light. Father, you are an illuminator. You are the light of the world. And God, we ask you to illuminate our path, show us our path, and give us the courage to walk down it. Father, let us not be deceived by the enemy, by the liars, by the roaring lion. Let us not be deceived by the roaring lion that roars through media. He roars through the news. He roars through so many different ways to, to create fear and chaos and havoc and to separate us from you. Father, draw your people in to remain in you. I want you to take just a second. I know I've gone long today, but... It's, it's got a purpose. I want you to take just a second and I want you to allow the, the eye of your imagination to open. And I'm going to ask a question and I want you to pay attention to whatever pops up. If there's a counterfeit that you go to when the going gets tough, that you leave Jesus and you move to a counterfeit, what would that be? What's the counterfeit that you're living in? That you're trading for less? It's consuming your time, consuming your resource, consuming your energy, it's consuming your imagination, it's consuming your thoughts, consuming the fruit that God wants to produce in your life. I'm gonna ask you this week to begin to pray and ask the Father to give you strength to kill the counterfeit. Kill the counterfeit. And create a space where you remain in him. You remain in him every day, every day, every day. Remain in him. His words remain in you and you remain in his love. Every day, remain in him. His words remain in you and you remain in his love. How do you know you're loving him? You're obeying. How do you know you're obeying? You're loving his children. You're denying yourself. You're loving his children. Father, would you release that revelation to your people that they have that simple, simple practice. I'm gonna remain in Jesus all day, every day. Remain in anything that takes me out of Jesus, I'm not doing. Any conversation that takes me out of Jesus, I'm not having. Any entertainment that takes me out of Jesus, I'm not participating. Any hobby or habit that takes me out of Jesus, it's off, the, it's off the table. I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to remain in you. I want your word remaining in me. I want to bear much fruit. I want to be your disciple. 
I, I want to remain in your love. I want to remain in obedience to you. I want to love, I, I want to I love your, your people because I'm willing to lay down my desires to meet the needs of others. Father, would you create that in us? In the name of Jesus. 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 Father, would you speak to your children and give them clear vision, clear understanding of what they need to do to obey you. What they need to do to obey you and to walk in the fullness of who you've called them to be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you. We love you. Don't miss next week. It's going to be real good. It's going to be real good. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.